Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Good morning, everybody. Come on, how are we today? Hey, can we just give a hand for the ladies leading us in worship today? Come on. I love y'all. You brought such incredible energy and just a spirit uh, this morning. And ah, I'm just so thankful for our worship here at OKC Community. Well, hey, as Tim mentioned, we are, uh, started a new series last week, if you weren't here. And uh, it's this idea of rest. And a lot of times when we think of rest, Tim kind of went over this a little bit last week, you know, we think of rest sometimes as non-working. So when we're at home on the weekends hanging out, watching football, watching that series that you've been watching, we do that all week and then we get to the end of the weekend and we're like, wow, why don't I feel rested? And that's kind of a little bit of where we're going to go today. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about rest. Okay, and this idea that rest sometimes doesn't mean rest, that God maybe has a different view of rest. And uh, what I want to do, first of all, is I want to share with you guys just even something personal. Uh, Over the course of this last year and a half, I have kind of had this sense of unrest, uh, the sense of overwhelm. That I've had and my life hasn't necessarily changed a whole lot. We kind of expect some of the things from COVID to kind of have an impact on us, but life had gotten back to normal. You know, I go to work, I come home three or four nights a week. I'm either at church stuff or where our kids have sports or, but three or four nights a week, I'm home and I'm resting and I still have my Sabbath Saturdays. And most of those days, particularly right now are spent watching football and or baseball or you know whatever is on at the moment and yet i have this sense of unrest i have this sense of overwhelm i can't really explain why even after a long weekend that i still feel tired can any of you relate with that because i feel like it's a story that i keep hearing I have a lot of friends that are counselors and friends that are pastors. And the thing I keep hearing over and over is that they're as busy now as they have ever been. That more people are trying to get counseling during this season. More people are coming to us pastorally and saying, I'm just not doing well. And I feel like there's something going on behind the scenes that maybe we don't recognize. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of information overload, but it's something I want to propose to you today. That maybe without you even knowing it, information overload has been happening in your life. Let me explain to you a little bit about what information overload is. You see, all of us, because of technology, have the opportunity to get as much information as we possibly can get. Whether through our phones, whether through media nowadays, where you can watch any show at any time, you can pick anything you want literally at any time and be able to get it and be able to watch it. 
And so there's this thing called information overload that I've been looking into and hearing about. And I want to show you this slide, this graph. And I think it's on there. Nope, it is not. Okay, well, <laughs> there, there is, in this thing called information overload, for many, many years, the amount of information that was available was the same as the amount of information that we can process. And for a long time, they coincided with each other. But something happened when technology came forward, when we had the ability to get information on our phones, when we had the ability to stream, when we had the ability to get on Google and ask Google anything we want, where information took a spike, where the amount of information so overruled the amount of information that we can process with our minds that slowly over the course of the last 20 years, we have come into what is called information overload where we are trying to process more information than we can actually process with our minds. But because we know that that information is out there, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we continue to try and get more and more of this information. And the pan pandemic this past year has just increased that ability, increased that desire for more information, whether it's staring at your phone, whether it is watching the new series on Netflix, Prime Video, Apple TV, you know, which saw a huge rise in subscriptions during the pandemic, and you can understand why. Hours of playing video games, hours of watching the local and national media coverage of COVID-19, of racial injustice in our country, of the presidential campaigns, do you realize for the first time in history, there were actually eight of the 10 top spots in the Nielsen ratings were all news shows. And that had never happened before. During the pandemic, we sat in front of the TV and just watched news programs over and over. We wanted to hear the new update. What was happening? Where is COVID going? All of these things, plus all of the entertainment that we do in our lives. And because the amount of information keeps spiking, we keep trying and trying. We keep scrolling and scrolling. We've gotten a little bit crazy with our phones, as I imagine, as I think you probably can imagine. Let me ask you this, and I do not want you to raise your hand on this one. Who has brought their phone into the bathroom with them? Ah, come on, I know there's people, because I know there's people in my own family, okay? Who, even though you're in an airplane and you're supposed to turn on airplane mode, who tries to use their phone, huh? Tries to send a text, tries to get some more information. All of us at some point or another have gotten caught up in this idea of there's something out there that I need. There's something that I need to find out about. This idea of FOMO, the fear of missing out on the new information. We've really just found a busier way of resting nowadays. 
And guys, it's having an effect on us. I found this article from Leslie University, and not our Leslie, who is like a university at times, but actually Leslie University. And in this article, it was uh, talking about this study by the form foremost researcher on the topic, Daniel Levitin. He's a neuroscientist whose research focuses on the intersection of technology, addiction, and production. And he wrote this. He says, he wrote, information excess springs from human indecision to prioritize tasks and activities. This uncertainty wreaks havoc with our rapid perceptual categorization system, which causes stress and leads to decision overload. The human brain, in other words, is in a state of constant distraction. The resulting cognitive overload, according to Levitin's work, has serious phys physiological effects on the brain because multitasking and brain overload have been found to increase the production of the stress hormone, cortisol, as well as the fight or flight hormone, adrenaline. The human brain is simultaneously overworked and overstimulated. Family, there is a reason why we can't truly rest. And this season of overload, it's been happening over the past 20 years, and maybe you didn't even recognize it. And the pandemic was just like throwing gasoline onto an already existing fire. It caused us all to spike in the amount of information that we are taking in. Technology is not going to go away. The amount of information that's going to be available is only going to get more and more. And our opportunity to get said information is going to grow as well. You may not realize it, but our minds are tired. Does anybody feel just a little bit tired? Well, guys, our biggest problem isn't the technology. It's not the information. It isn't even that the information is increasingly more available. It's that we have made the choice, whether consciously or subconsciously, to give our attention and our ears to the masses and to the mass of information. Instead of quieting our minds, listening, and trusting the wisdom of the one who can give you peace and rest like you've never known. His name is Jesus. And the reason why we are all here this morning, the reason we exist, the reason we have life and breath. You remember he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus has so much to say, so much wisdom to share. And even as it comes to rest, he has the answer to help us overcome overwhelm, stress, weariness, and worry. He has a better way. But we have to choose the better way. So, there's a story of two lumberjacks, and one lumberjack 
He's kind of old school. He's been around a while. Okay? But there's a new lumberjack on the block. And he's a husky man. He's about six foot five, forearms like tree trunks. And he's coming in hot. He's like, welcome to the new age of tree removal, old man. Can you wait to see this? The old man's like, oh, no, I can't wait to see this. Along with that, the old man says, I'll tell you what, young buck. How about if we make a wager that I cut more wood than you today? And if so, I get your lunch tomorrow. Of course, the young buck's not going to stand down from an old man. Let's do it. So the young buck heads out into the woods, 30 or 40 yards away from the old man, and he just starts going to town. I mean, just, he has got a motor like a Dodge Charger, the old man thinks. And the old man smiles, and he starts cutting wood as well. About an hour in or so, the young lumberjack looks over and notices the old man already resting, sitting down on his pile of wood. And he's thinking to himself, oh, this is going to be easy. And he gets back to it. And he just starts chopping faster and faster. I mean, it's impressive, really, how much he can chop. A couple more hours in, he looks over and he notices every hour this guy is taking a break. But his pile... It's getting bigger than mine. Is he cheating? Is somebody helping him? He looks around, but he doesn't see anybody else but the old man sitting on his pile of wood. So he gets back to it. He is not going to lose to the old man. So he's going faster and faster and faster. There's an hour left. He looks over, and the old man's pile is twice the size of his. Now he's starting to get mad. He can't figure out, what is he doing? But he knows he's got one hour left. So faster and faster and faster, he cuts until finally the whistle blows. And he stops, worn out, beat down, blisters on his hands, his back is killing him. And he starts to make his way back to the old man. And as he gets closer, he notices there's a pile behind the pile that was already bigger than his. The old man cut two piles of wood? He's furious and he starts to yell at the old man. Have you been cheating? What did you do? And the old man's like, no, son, I'm, I'm, I'm just cutting wood. And he says, listen, surely you can't cut more wood than I can. I am so much stronger than you and I know that I'm faster than you by at least 10 or 20 times. And all those broke breaks you took, you cheated somehow. How did you know to challenge me? He asked the old man. And the old man quietly sits down. He says, son, it's really very simple. You see, every time that I took a break, I was sharpening my ax. And I noticed you showed up today and you didn't have a way to sharpen your axe. You didn't have a sharpening stone. 
He said, because it's not how fast you can cut wood that matters. It's how sharp your blade is that matters. Family, I think it's not how much we know or how much information we can take in. I think it's who we know. And I think it's listening to his wisdom on this idea of rest, on this idea of overwhelm and stress and anxiety and weariness and worry that we need to listen to because it is all over the place in the word of God. And even more so, not only do we need to hear it and listen to it, but we need to put it into our lives. So this morning, I want to help sharpen our acts as it comes to how we rest, as it comes to how we handle overwhelm, stress, and worry. So, number one, sharpening skills strategy, okay, is trust. Trust. There's a passage of scripture in Luke 12. If you've got your Bible with you this morning, you can get it out or pull it up on your phone, however you want to do it. And it's starting in verse 22. And it's a passage that I know that most of you, particularly if you've grown up in the church, have read many times. And we kind of breeze over it. And Oh, yeah, yeah don't, don't worry. I got you. Okay. But let's read it again. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that, that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Father, we look into your word today and we just pray that you'll speak to us through it. We pray, Lord, because, Father, even I read this passage and I know that I worry all the time. And yet your word is telling us that there is a different way. So, Father, pierce our hearts and our minds today with your word. In your name I pray. Amen. As it comes to this idea of rest and the state of being overwhelmed, stressed, and worried, which are all mind-oriented, right? Jesus simply says, do not. Do not. You understand that Jesus putting the words do not at the beginning of this statement, do not worry, makes it not a suggestion, but a command. Do not worry. Do not stress. Do not be overwhelmed. Why would he need to point that out to us? 
Why would he need to point it out? Why would he need to point it out to the disciples? Because when we worry, when we give in to the overwhelm or the stress, we're not trusting God. We are not trusting that he is in control, that he has us. How many of you, just in the recent few weeks, have had something on your mind that you have let stow over and worry over? Maybe it's kept you up one night. You couldn't sleep because you just continue to think over it and think over it and worry over it. Jesus is saying, stop. Do not worry. He goes on to use an example of the most basic of life's needs in this passage. What are you going to eat? What are you going to wear about your physical body? He takes two of the smallest and what seem to be the most insignificant creations, the raven and the flower, which are all around us, yet we never think of them. And they're always full, they're always clothed, they're always alive and moving. Jesus says of the flower that it is dressed in splendor. I want to hear a crazy story this week. I'm sitting on the couch in the front window, working on this message, and a raven lands on my car that's right outside. And for literally a half an hour while I'm going over this, there's this raven that keeps jumping down onto the sidewalk. It was just one of those strange moments where you're like, Lord? You know what I mean? It, it, was, it was weird. Anyway, listen. Guys, Jesus, is, it, it's a simple message that he's telling each and every one of us. Trust me. All you have to do is trust me. Sometimes that is easier said than done. But if you'll do it, do you realize that what Jesus is promising is that the worry that you're carrying on your shoulders, he's willing to take it and carry it himself. Do you realize this is literally a benefit of being a follower of Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, this is not a benefit that you have. And when we worry when we come to that state where we just feel like we have to control this and we have to carry it, we are actually missing out on this benefit of being a follower of Christ. You remember that moment on the sea, the story of Jesus walking on water? And you remember Peter said, well, first of all, they're all like ghosts. You remember the story, right? And then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me out. And Jesus says, come. I believe this is another one of those situations, guys, where he might be speaking to you today. And he might be saying, trust me. Just trust me. Give me a chance and watch what I can do. Okay, so number one was trust. Okay? Number two, and this is a weird one. It's called the beforehands. Okay, and you're going to have to go with me for just a moment to understand where I'm going with this. Okay, but there's another place in the book of Luke where Jesus uses this same kind of situation, this same premise, and I want to read through it real quick. And it's Luke chapter 21, and he's talking to the disciples. The other one was a little lighter of a story. This time he's leading the disciples down a road that is not so pleasing. 
okay? And he says this. He says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you, probably with beatings. That's my own parentheses. They will hand you over to the synagogues and put you in prison, and you will brought be brought before kings and governors all account on my name. I mean, this is one of those moments where I'm thinking, Jesus, if, if you're trying to win me over, you had me at famines and pestilences. You know what I mean? But listen, Jesus goes to that next step, and he says, make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. Make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. He's giving this extreme vision with the disciples, one that make someone have a little bit more than overwhelm or stress. They might actually have nightmares or cold sweats. But he says, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. A little bit different situation than the first, but in both of them, he is promising to be present. He is promising to be active in what's going on in your life. He is promising to be there, to give you the words, to take you through that storm. He is promising, if you'll just give it to me, if you will not worry beforehand, I will do all of these things. And there's a piece of that passage that really stuck out to me, and I actually circled it in my Bible. And as you can imagine, because I already told you the title, it says, but make up your mind beforehand not to worry. He's saying, be prepared. Make a decision not to worry and get ready. Make up your mind beforehand. That word beforehand, that's the one that I circled. And I just thought, how interesting, that word beforehand. It's two different words, beforehand. Beforehand, beforehand, before. I'm trying to think, how did this word come about? Beforehand. Before the hand? Before the hand. It makes me think of being a child. Before the hand comes, you better do this. Right? So the beforehands. So Jesus, you're literally saying that there's something we can do. There is a preemptive strike that we can take on overwhelm, on stress, on worry. There's something we can do ahead of time so that we don't even have to get to that point. We can make a decision ahead of time. So what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you, this is kind of a subplot, okay? I want to share with you three beforehands, three things that you can do to get to a place where your rest is a soul rest that Tim talked about last week, where your rest is a peaceful rest. Okay, three things. Number one, guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, one of my favorite, favorite passages in the Bible. Guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. I think the NIV version says, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. You know what comes in your mind, goes, or comes through your eyes, goes to your head, and then into your heart, right? 
Friends, we have got to learn, first of all, to set some boundaries in our life as it comes to this information overload. Because it's available doesn't mean that it's good for us. I think one of the most important things that we can do as followers, followers of Jesus, if we want rest, true rest, God's rest, is to guard our heart so that we can have rest like wildflowers in the field, taken care of kind of rest. You remember that article at the beginning, Dr. Levitin. He said, the human brain, in other words, is in a state of constant distraction. These unending distractions come out of a continuously updating information stream. Guys, what would happen if you would actually just guard your heart from those things? What would happen if you just let things in that were good? I love this passage of scripture by Paul in Philippians 4.8. It says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What if that was the guideline for the information that we let into our life? There's really two ways, I think, in this situation that you can guard your heart. One of them is quality-wise. What's the quality of the things that you are letting in? And that's where the scripture comes into play. And I think if we'll literally just ask ourselves, Lord, what am I letting into my life that I need to cut out so that I can see your peace, so that I can fill your peace? The second way to guard your heart is the quantity Maybe we just need to learn to shut it off. Maybe we just need to learn to turn off our phone, to turn off the TV, to turn off the news, maybe to turn off the podcast in the car. If we literally just cut down on the quantity of the information that is coming into our lives, our internal processor is going to get to a more healthy place because we're at a place right now where it's almost as if our storage has ran out, but we just keep inputting. Number one, guard your heart. Number two, be different. Be different. This verse in Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come on. I mentioned earlier that our culture is in a state of overwhelm. Counselors are booked. People are looking for help because they don't know a different way. And guys, here is where we can stand out as believers. If we will put our faith and our trust in Jesus, if we will actually give him those things, do not conform to the patterns of this world. What if we went a different direction with this information overload? And we started guarding our hearts. And we started transforming our minds. What if we started cutting off some of the bad and inputting more good? Inputting more excellent things in our life, like the word of God. That is what this passage of scripture means. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Imagine if every one of us in here was at that place 
of peace and rest. If we didn't conform to the patterns of this world and we truly trusted in faith to a world outside that is chaotic, you might be somebody totally different than something they've ever seen. They might be asking you, what, what is different about you? How come you're not worried about this like I am? This situation. How come you don't, aren't being pushed to a side? Because everybody's telling us we need to choose a side right now. What if you did not conform? What if you chose to be different? Number three. Number one was guard your heart. Number two was be different. Number three was pray. I put prayer in my messages a lot. Tim puts prayer in his messages a lot for a purpose, for a reason. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the goal for you? It's the goal for me. To be able to walk in that peace which surpasses all understanding. I want that peace. I don't want to be like I have been in the last year where there's been this sense of unrest. And Jesus is saying, if you'll just give it to me. I love how Tim always says, prayer is the pathway to his presence. As prayer is like our superpower. It is your avenue to God. It is your avenue to peace. It is your avenue to rest. And I want to challenge you today. I don't know where your prayer life is at. You may have an incredible prayer life. Or it may be something that you just do every once in a while. I want to challenge you for this next month. If you would pray, wake up 10, 15 minutes early. Earlier than you do right now. Go out by yourself and kneel down at that chair, at that couch. And just give everything to God that is on your heart. And then at the end of the day, kneel beside your bed before you lay your head down and everything that you have loaded up in the day, give it to God. If you would do this for the next month, I promise you, I promise you, you're going to be in a different place as it comes to true rest in your life, as to soul rest in your life. Okay. I know I took too much time on the three subplots. The two beforehands. So back to the original points. The first was trust. The second, the beforehands. And the third is easy and light. I want to take us back to a passage that Tim used last week. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. Easy light. Isn't this the way that it's supposed to feel? When we give things to our Lord and Savior, when we take things off of our shoulder and he carries it for us like he has promised in these do not worry passages, isn't it supposed to be easy and light? He says, you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you ever had somebody in your life that just had great faith? in the midst of chaos. I have a friend, my first place in ministry. Um, I was a worship pastor. I was the youth leader. It was a, about a 200-member church, so it was one of those churches where you kind of do a little bit of everything, right? And I was in about, I thought it was nine months, but it, it was about a year and a half into being there. It was my first role. I was, I was in seminary at the time. About a year and a half in, I got to the office one day, and the senior pastor was gone. He had packed up his desk and he was just gone. And I, I went to his house because he lived right around the corner and they were gone. They're, the stuff was still in their house, but he was gone. And I went over to this friend of mine who's on the elder team. His name was Todd. And I remember us. I went down into their basement, into his office, and he's sitting across the desk from me, and I'm like, buddy, Eric is gone. Like, the pastor of this church has left town, and there's me. There's a little bit of chaos in my mind at this moment, because I have never been called to be a senior pastor, and nor did I want to be at this point. And my friend, Todd, he looks across the table at me with a smile on his face. And he loved Eric and says, Scott, it's going to be all right. God's got this. He knows what he's doing. You don't have to worry about this. He's already got the plan in place. Six months later, I ended up being part of this team that hired a new friend, Steve Burford. Here we are 12 years later, Steve is still the pastor of that church. He's one of my greatest friends. He's somebody I call on often, and I still call on Todd, who's that person in my life who has always seemed to have a little more faith about things than I have. Easy and light. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what kind of stress, what kind of trouble, what kind of overwhelm might be on your heart, might be on your soul today. And guys, I just know that all of these passages that we've just read, these are promises from God to you, to me, to every single one of us. But we have a role to play in them, right? We actually have to put our faith and our trust that God is in control, that Jesus has this, that we don't have to worry. 
that we can find true rest and peace, and it only comes through one, Jesus. So I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. And wherever you're at, whatever's on your heart, whatever is on your mind that might be weighing you down this morning, I just want you to take just one moment, 30 seconds, and I just want you to lay it at the Savior's feet. And tell him you're giving it to him. Now the second thing is I want you to say these words. Jesus, I trust you. Pray that prayer. Jesus, I trust you. If you need to say it 10 times in a row, say it. Jesus, I trust you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come today and I think, Father, so many times I feel so disobedient because, Father, I choose to carry things on my own, to carry my own weight, to think that I have control over it when all actuality I never have. You have always been there. You have always guided. You have always opened doors. You have always taken away pain. You have always been there at every turn, at every corner, at every decision. And if I would just lay it in your hands to begin with, then the peace and the rest that we're desiring could be ours. So Holy Spirit, today I pray, I pray you would move in us. I pray you would give us a new measure of faith, a new decision that we would make up our minds beforehand not to worry. And that Father, we would take the steps we need to do to begin to limit and guard the information that we let into our lives. But because we know your way is better. We love you, Jesus. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, We'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.